To this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heart Seas Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225 274 1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. Amen. What a great series we just went through, Happily Ever After. And I really encourage you, if you missed any of that series, to play catch up on the website, get some CDs. We're going to make some set CD sets from that three-part series. And I just think it's life-changing for every home. And we're starting a new series today that we're going to be carrying on through Easter. And it's called Still Empty. Say that with me, Still Empty empty. Come on, say it like you mean it today. Still empty. And this is the first message in our, really our Easter series as we gear up to Easter, which is a great time of the year. A lot of us love Christmas because of the gifts. Listen, Easter's a lot greater than Christmas. Why? Because the gift came into true fulfillment because he gave everything for us. Come on, Jesus could have just come and that would have been the end. And we would have been in trouble. But he came and he gave. He gave his life that you and I can have life. So we thank God for that. And I love that thought. Every time I hear those words, still empty, my heart just jumps inside of me. Because I'm so thankful that he's not dead, that he's alive, that he's alive for you and I. I love what the angel said to the, the ladies when they went to the tomb. They went to anoint Jesus' body. And look what the lady said, or the angel said in Luke 24, verse 5 and 6. It says this, why do you seek? Why are you looking for the living amongst the dead? Too many people looking in dead places for life. Come on, do I hear an amen? Too many people looking in dead places. And the angel says, you're looking in the wrong place if you're looking here. Why? Because he ain't dead. Come on. He is not here, but he has what? Risen. And that was Jesus' mission to this world. John 10.10 tells us the thief comes what? To steal, to kill, and destroy. But again, what do we see? Jesus said, I've come to not bring death. But Jesus says, I've come that you may have life and that you may have it, what? To a full extent, abundantly. Jesus said, I came to destroy death and I came to bring life. Jesus said, I came to be your life giver. And because he lives, you and I today can live also. He made it possible for us to live. And that's what we're going to discover through this series. As we look at this series, the fact that he's alive, we're going to look at one key element that we can tap into that life in our lives. I want to tap into that life-giving life. 
Come on, I don't want to be separated from it and never experience everything that God has for me. And throughout this month, we're going to look at one key area, how you and I can experience the life that he wants to give. And we're going to discover the power of prayer. We're going to look at the importance of prayer. We're going to talk about how prayer will change your life. A lot of people over-spiritualize prayer. And I want to tell you this. Prayer is just having a talk with God. Prayer is just hanging out with God and conversating with Him. Remember that show, Different Strokes? Was it Arnold used to go up on his top bunk bed and he used to say, Hello God, it's me again. And it was so elementary how he prayed. Anyone remember that? You know, what are you talking about, Willis? You know, and he would get up on that thing and he'd say, God, this is me. You probably don't really remember who I... But he had such a simplicity with it. And we kind of laugh at that, but that's what really prayer is about. Just being simple with God. Just having a talk with God. Having honesty in your prayer life. There's a scripture that we've used many times in prayer and it's Psalms 145 verse 18. And the reason I use this prayer, I think many of us lie in our prayer. What does the Bible say? The Lord is near to all who call upon Him. One of the ways we call upon Him is in prayer. We can pray to God. But notice what it says. The ones who pray or the ones who call upon Him in what? In truth, God, I'm having a great day. No, I'm not really. But yet that's what we pray. God, I thank you that you're so great and you're awesome. And I thank you for this. But really our hearts are crying out saying, God, I'm broken. I'm distraught. I'm wounded. But we almost feel we've got to pray like that because if we don't, we don't have faith. We're not trusting God. Listen, God can never meet your needs if you don't ask him first to meet your needs. It's being honest with God and praying to God, but yet also being honest and recognizing who he is and what he's able to do in your life. And I just really challenge you this week. What are you going through in your life? Be honest with God about it. Pray about it. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a movement, if you want to put it out there, that says, hey, you don't confess the fact you're sick. Well, if you're not sick, then why do you need a healer? If you can't say, I'm sick and need a healing in my body, then God can't be your healer and your deliverer. And it's not a case of not having the faith. It's having faith to trust God and bring our request. The Bible says, and as we make our request known to Him, guess what happens? The peace of God comes. The answer of God comes in our lives. And I just want to share with you today, we're going to talk today about staying in the circle. Staying in the circle of prayer. And Kelly and I have been reading a great book, and I would encourage every one of you to get it by Mark Batterson. It's called The Circle Maker. The Circle Maker. And in there, he recants a story that I'm going to share with every one of you today. It's the story of Honai. H-O-N-I. Honai. Honai was alive in the first century B.C. A devastating drought had threatened to destroy a generation, and actually it was the generation before Christ. If you look at the Bible from Malachi to Matthew, there was a gap of about 600 years. This is where this story comes into play, the last generation before Jesus had came. The last of the Jewish prophets had died nearly four centuries before. Miracles were such a distance. God was silent and it appeared as God was not heard, that it was almost like God had left. But there was one man named Honai who still dared to pray anyhow. 
And he believed that even if the people could no longer hear God, he could still hear God for them. He could still hear God. And with his staff in his hands, Honai began to turn in a circle as he drew in the sand and the dirt around him a complete circle. In the middle of the circle, he dropped to his knees and he raised his hands to heaven and he began to pray for rain. And this is what he prayed. He said, Lord of the universe, I swear before your great name that I will not move from this circle until you have shown mercy upon your children. And the story goes that it happened, that raindrops began to descend to earth, that an audible gasp went across because now thousands of people had gathered around to see this spectacle, to see this man who dared to pray for rain, to believe for a miracle to take place. And all of a sudden, the gasp rang out as rain began to fall. But listen, Honai was not satisfied with just a sprinkle. And again, he began to pray. And he said, Dear God, not for such rain have I prayed but for rain that will fill the cisterns, that will fill the pits, and that will fill the caverns. And it is said that the sprinkle turned into such a torrential downpour that eyewitnesses have said that the raindrops were no smaller. There wasn't any smaller than the size of an egg that fell from heaven. And it rained so hard that the people had to flee because of the fear of flash floods. And one more time, Honai began to pray. And he prayed this prayer. Not for such rain have I prayed, but for a rain of your favor, blessing and graciousness. And the story says that it began to rain calmly and peacefully not soaking the skin, not only soaking the skin, but the spirits of the people with faith that day. It had been difficult to believe the day before the day, but the day after this day, it was impossible not to believe. What a great story of someone who drew a circle and said, hold on a second, I'm going to trust God. But he was very specific in his prayer. He didn't just want a sprinkle. He didn't want a downpour that was going to cause problems. He wanted the blessing and the favor of God to come down in such a way that the people would benefit. Do you know it's recorded in history that his prayer has been deemed as one of the most significant prayers in the history of Israel? One of the most significant prayers in the history of Israel. Why? Because it was his prayer that literally saved a nation. That's how desperate they were. They would have died because of the lack of rain and the drought. His prayer saved a nation. And think about this. If that generation would have died, where would have been the generation where Jesus would have come? Think about that. Think about that. And of course, there were skeptics. There was those who had doubted. There was those who believed that drawing a circle in the ground and demanding God to send rain, that would 
dishonor God. That dishonored God. How dare you do that? And you know what many of the religious leaders of that day wanted to do? They wanted to excommunicate him from the community. Because how dare you treat God in such a way? But listen to this. But because the miracle could not be denied, he was eventually honored. I love that thought there. Because the miracle was undeniable. It didn't matter what other people tried to say and how they tried to turn people against him. One after the other, people began to say, Hey, I don't know who he is. And I don't know what you think of him, but let me tell you something. Through him, God provided a miracle for our lives. An undeniable act took place. I wonder today what would happen if we began to pray like that. I wonder what would happen truly if God's people, each one of us that confessed the fact that God lives in our hearts. I wonder what would happen if we began to pray prayers like that. I wonder what our circumstances would look like. I wonder what our finances, our families, our futures, our lives. I wonder what they would look like. But unfortunately, here's where we find ourselves. We're afraid to pray prayers like that. For what reason? What if God doesn't answer? Many reasons or many times the reason we don't step out and pray those kind of prayers is what if God doesn't? I'm telling you right now. You'll never know if you don't first pray. You'll never know. You've got nothing to lose, but you've got everything to gain. Now listen, I'm not asking you today to go home in your yard and draw a circle. I'm not asking you when you go to work tomorrow to take a piece of chalk and draw a circle all the way around your desk and and get down on your knees and act all crazy and silly and and say, I'm not going to leave here and I'm not going to step out. People are going to look at you and say, you're nuts because you are. Turn to your neighbor and say, you'd be nuts if you did that. Come on. But you know what I'm asking every one of you today? I'm asking you and challenging every one of you today, and that is this, by faith to begin to pray a prayer like that. I'm praying by faith for you to begin to circle your children like you've never done before. To circle your finances, for your future, for your health, for your well-being, for your life. I'm praying that you and I would begin to pray a bold prayer that will honor God. Listen to this statement, God is not offended by your biggest dreams or your boldest prayers. But he is offended by anything less. God is offended by anything less than that. And you've got to understand here, we're not teaching you, and we're going to see about this a little bit later in this message, but I've got to throw it out here. We're not talking about just demanding everything that we want. That I'm going to draw a circle, and this is what I want, and I'm going to demand. We're not talking about praying prayers of demand. We're praying prayers of claim. What are we talking about? We're praying prayers of what God has already given to us and already promised to us. And what we're doing is we're claiming the promises of God. Remember that. That's a key thought. We're not just saying, I want a new car and I'm going to stay in here and God bless you. till he... God may answer that prayer. But is that really his will for your life? Is that what really God wants for your life? We're praying about the claim of the promise that God has given To our lives. Look at that statement at the end of that um, slide. If your prayers aren't impossible to you, 
they're insulting to God. Quite powerful thoughts here. I want to rock your world. I want you to look at prayer in such a different way today. When we pray, we've got to realize nothing is impossible. It's amazing they tell us how many coincidences happen when we pray, but they ain't coincidences. When people begin to pray, impossibilities become possible. Right now, you could probably write down, and I encourage you, write down those promises, those things that you believe in God for that haven't happened. Draw a circle around them, begin to pray, and stay in that circle until you get the answer. But why would God answer my prayers? Have you ever asked that question? (coughs) Why would God bother to answer my prayers? I've asked that. Anyone else going to say amen to that with me? You know, I think we've all prayed that or questioned that. And I'm glad you've asked that today because you're not alone in that thought. But catch this. It's not really about your thought. It's about his thoughts He has towards you. It's about what he thinks towards you. Jeremiah 29, 11 says what? For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To what? To give you a future and a hope. So what are you saying, Pastor P? Hope you can see it in that verse. But God is for you. You see, this is a key truth every one of us needs to grab a hold of. Because if we can't grasp this, we're never going to pray life-changing prayers. Because when we're believing that God, why would he want to answer my prayers? Why would he want to do something for me? You just got to trust and believe that God is for you. His thoughts are for you. His plans are for you. To see blessing in your life. To see fulfillment. To see a future come about in your life. Let me tell you something. The tomb is still empty today just for you. Just for your needs. What you are trusting God for. What you're believing God for. And we've got to believe that. We've got to accept that. Because guess what? If we don't believe that, if we don't accept that, guess what happens to our prayer life? We don't pray. Come on, if we don't believe that God's going to hear our prayer, if we believe, can't believe that God loves us enough that he wants to answer our prayers, we won't pray. We won't pray. We won't pray. We've got to pray. We've got to trust God. But you see what happens when you begin to believe that. And I've just got to be honest with you today. I still struggle in this area. And I'm the pastor of this church. But I still struggle with the thought, why would God ever choose me? Why would God ever put his favor upon my life? I mean, there's a whole lot of other people that are more qualified and could perhaps do this better and that better and everything. And I still struggle with those thoughts. But you know what? I've got to watch because what happens when I dwell on those thoughts is what? I begin to believe those thoughts. And therefore, I begin to pull away from God. And instead of staying in the circle and realizing that he loves me, that he's for me, That he wants to see me to succeed. 
He wants to. And here's why. How do you know this? God created and made you. Psalms 139 is an incredible psalm. Read it, how he created you and formed you in your mother's womb and just how special and precious you are. But it's always been God's desire to have fellowship with mankind. We see it in the Garden of Eden. Mankind was created in his image and likeness. Why do you think we were created in the image and likeness of God? So he could have something in common with us. So he could have fellowship with us. Can we just say it bold and God wants to hang with you. Come on, God just wants to hang out with you. That's why he made you that way. God loves you so much. Romans 5 verse 8 says, But God demonstrates his own love towards us, that in while we were what? Still sinners. While we were the scum of the scum. While we were the lowest of low. When no one else wanted us. Guess what? Christ loved us so much that he died for us. He gave the greatest price that anyone could give. You've got to see this. And I know I'm staying here a little bit longer today, but you've got to grab a hold of this. You've got to see today that God is for you, that God loves you. You've got to change that thought pattern of why would he answer my prayers? Because I've done this and I've done that. Listen, you've done a whole lot of things and joined the club, but he did something greater than anything that you and I could ever do as he hung upon a cross and he died and he gave his life And he rose again that you and I could experience the power of life. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. God is for you. He's on your side. He's got your back. He loves you. And when you and I begin to realize that, and to realize that is when we'll start to pray in a greater way. You'll begin to pray for your future like you've never prayed before. You'll begin to pray for your family like you've never prayed for them before. You'll begin to pray for your finances, for your education, for your employment. Come on, you'll begin to pray over your body, a prayer of health. Why? Because when you realize God is for you and he wants the best for you and he loves you, your prayer life is going to completely change. Someone once said this of prayers, and I love this definition of prayer. Prayer or prayers are like prophecies. They are the best, what? Predictor of your spiritual future. Who you become is determined upon how you pray. Isn't that a great thought right there? Prayers are like prophecies waiting for fulfillment. And the best predictor of my spiritual future, the best way to tap in to the future that God has for me is begin to pray, begin to seek God, to begin to give to God. It's time in every one of our lives to claim your God-given promises, to pursue God-sized dreams and to seize those God-ordained opportunities. If not, he died in vain and the empty tomb has become a powerless object in our lives. It's time to draw a circle in prayer. Draw it around your families, around your jobs, around your problems. Do you have any problems? We sure do. What about those goals and those dreams? And I'm telling you, drawing a circle is not a magic trick. It's not to get whatever I want from God. I'm just going to draw a circle because I want this and I'm going to step in it. No, here's the key. Are you ready? Here's the key. It's discovering his will and his purpose for your life. 
and learning to discern what God wants for your life. I don't want anything for my life other than what God wants for me. Because God has the best. I've wanted for my life many times. And guess what? My wants have kept me wanting. Anyone a witness in the house? I thought if I could just get this, my life would be complete. And all of a sudden, there wasn't completeness. There was just a bigger void. So I went over here and thought, well, if I get this. But one thing I've discovered is when I step into his will and his purpose, there is such fulfillment and completeness that begins to take place in my life. Look at this statement that Mark Batterson says. He says this, until his sovereign will becomes your sanctified wish, your prayer life will be unplugged from its power source. If you're praying anything else apart from the will of God over your life, it's like you unplug your life from its power supply. You may still look good, but a lamp's purpose is not to be an ornament. A lamp's purpose is to give out light. Your purpose is not just to live and breathe. Your purpose is to have life, to have blessing in your life, to have hope. And God loves you and I too much to give each one of us what we don't need. But remember this, getting what you and I want is never the goal. But the goal is always that God would be glorified. It's all about God. You know, prayers that God answers are the prayers that He receives the glory from. It's about God. It's about His glory. And that he would receive credit for it. How many times have you had an answer to prayer and the only thing you could say, only God? Because you couldn't take any credit for it. And that's the kind of prayers that we need to begin to pray. They tell us the number one reason why our prayers are still not answered is because they are first not prayed. That we just don't pray. God won't if we won't. God won't do it if we Don't ask him to do it. And that's why I'm teaching you about prayer, because it's such a source of power available to each one of us as God's children. Jesus said that even mountains have to move when we begin to pray the will of God. Come on. Jesus says if we begin to pray, believing, believing what? That we know that that's what he has. That's his purpose and plan. And when we pray a faith like that, without wondering and without waning, without doubting, guess what? He says that you and I will receive. As your pastor, I want to see each one of us develop a prayer life. A prayer life that dares to believe God for the impossible. That refuses to take no for an answer. That claims God's miracles for your life. Look what it says in James 4 verse 2 and 3. It says, yet you do not have because you what? You do not ask. Verse 3 says, you ask and you do not receive because you what? You ask wrong. You ask amiss. For what reason? You ask for yourself. It's about you. It's about your pleasures. It's about your goals. And it's about your dreams. Look what it says in the New Living Translation. It says, and yet the reason you do not have what you want is that you don't ask God for it. And even when you do ask, you don't get it because your whole motive is wrong and you want only what will give you pleasure. So James shows us three things here. The first problem we have is not asking. 
The second problem we can have is asking for the wrong things. And the third problem is asking for the wrong reasons or with the wrong motive in our hearts. So what James is really saying is he's questioning the people of that day. He's asking them questions. He's saying to them first and foremost, just like he's saying to every one of us today, do you talk to God at all? I mean, do you have a conversation? Do you pray? Do you talk to God? That's the first question he's asked him. And then he says, well, if you do and when you do, what are you talking about? What are you asking him for? Are you asking just to satisfy your own desires and your own needs? Are you asking and seeking, listen to this, God's approval for what you already plan to do? He says, if you're going to ask like this, you're not going to have. Because I can't give it for anything else than for my glory. For my glory. And when we begin to pray, our prayers become powerful when you allow God to change your desires so they perfectly correspond to his will for your life. And when we pray like that, he will answer And his answers are not just limited to our requests. What does that mean? When we begin to play the will of God, God goes exceedingly abundantly above and beyond. How many knows that God gives us more than what we truly pray for? But when he gets us in that right place and we start trusting God for miracles, how many have prayed that God would give you a new job and he didn't just give you a new job, he hooked you up? Come on, you turn around and say, man, he gave me what? More than I even asked for. But what happens when we begin to pray his will for his purpose with right motive in our heart? Guess what? God will begin to bless us with handfuls on purpose. Come on, many times we can pray out of ignorance, but God answers out of his omniscience. What does that mean? We can be ignorant, but God answers to the fact he's everywhere. He knows all things. He's right there to meet our needs. Many times we pray out of impotence, but God answers us out of his omnipotence. Big difference. He's all powerful. He's able. His world wants to collide with ours when we begin to pray. What did Jesus pray or tell us how to pray in the Sermon of the Mount? He said in Matthew 6, verse 5 and 6, he says, And when you pray, not if, but when, you shall not be like the hypocrites. They love to pray standing in the synagogues on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say unto you, they have their reward. It's not about being seen and getting all the glitz and the glamour and all the rewards. But Jesus says, but when you pray, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door. Pray to your father who is in that secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Jesus is not condemning and criticizing public prayer. He's not saying it's wrong for us to stand and publicly pray. But what he is showing us is that prayers that attract attention to self instead of God is not what he desires. I believe we need to get a place where we can get alone with God. Maybe it's your car. Maybe it's your closet. Wherever it is, I believe we need to get alone with God on a daily basis. You don't know someone until you spend time with them. Prayer is conversating, talking with God. You've got to start spending time with God, inviting Him into your world. Let me show you something really quickly today, and then I'm going to bring it full circle, no pun intended. What happens when we really begin to draw circles in prayer? What begins to happen? 
Remember the children of Israel, God had delivered them out of Egypt. An incredible miracle, undeniable that it was God that did it. They leave Egypt. God gives them a promise. You know what the promise was? I've got a land for you. Flowing with milk and honey. I mean, it's, it's so incredible. You just won't believe it. But because of their disbelief, because they didn't truly trust God, and we're not going to go into it today, but they wandered in a wilderness for 40 years. They wandered in a wilderness till the older generation had died off and God is now ready for them to cross the Jordan into their land of promise. But it's amazing to me that there is something that stands in their way. The first obstacle that faces them is a big something. It's called Jericho. Say with me Jericho. Jericho was a fortified city. It was a city with walls 50 plus feet high, so thick. So big, so bad. In their eyes and in the eyes of everyone else around that day, Jericho was an impossibility. There was no way that they could go beyond that into the promise. That stood in the way of their promise. I'm telling you right now, we're going to see that there's some Jerichos today that are standing in the way of our promise. But God does something very special. God doesn't prepare Joshua and the children of Israel for battle. God prepares them for victory. He prepares them for victory. Look what he says in Joshua 6, verse 2 through 5. And the Lord God said to Joshua, see, I have what? Given Jericho into your hands, its king and the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall all go around the city once. This you shall do for six days. And on the seven, and seven priests shall bear seven trumpets and ram's horns before the ark. But on the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times. And the priests on the seventh time shall blow the trumpets. And it shall come to pass, verse 5, that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, that all the people shall shout with a great shout. Then the walls of the city will fall down flat and the people shall shall go up every man straight before him. Think about that for a second naturally. In the natural, that's crazy. That we've got an impossibility in front of us and God doesn't say get battering rams, make ladders, let's take this thing, let's put a seize around them and let's, let's starve them out, let's cut their water supply, let's do all this. God says, no, here's what I want you to do. I want you to walk around the city and just shut up. God didn't want any negative conversation to go on. He just wanted them to shut up. Now, I'm sure in their minds they were thinking some negative thoughts. Come on, if I was there, I would be thinking some negative thoughts. This is stupid. I look like an idiot. They're laughing at us. This is the God who brought us out of Egypt. This is what we're doing. But you know what? Here's the deal. When we read stories like this, it's so easy for us to skip past those thoughts when we know the outcome. Because we know the outcome, many times we don't even consider the thought of how they must have felt because we just skip to the next part. And we all know now, even in reading that first part, we already know the end. So in our minds, it's not crazy. It's just an absolute miracle of God. And and when they had the faith to do it and believe God, God brought a miracle. So really, when we know the outcome, what used to be silly now is not so silly anymore. Because as they obeyed, God did. As a result of their act of faith, circling the city, you and I know the outcome. You need to hear what I just said today. We know the outcome. 
We've just got to circle the city. Come on, we know the outcome of what God wants for our lives. We know the promises. We know the gifts. We know the dreams. We know those things. But yet the enemy will tell us it's silly. Oh, it may be silly to put a circle and begin to pray. It may be silly to claim things that seem so out of reach and unobtainable. But let me tell you and remind you again of Jericho. When you know the outcome, it's no longer silly, is it? Come on, you and I have got to start trusting the promises of God in our lives. And we've got to start praying like that. Like we know the outcome. That God's going to do it. That We're going to believe it and we're going to keep petitioning, petitioning and petitioning. After seven days of circling Jericho, God delivered a 400 year old prophecy to them. A promise that was given. And the Bible says the walls fell flat. There wasn't a pile of rubble, but flat that they were able to run in and conquer a city. It was like God made a highway for them to run in. 50 feet plus of walls. You imagine those falling. The rubble pile would almost be a greater obstacle than the initial walls. Only God could do that. I wonder today what your Jericho is. I wonder what that impossibility that you're facing today. I wonder if it's a health issue. The doctors have told you that it's not looking good. Maybe it's a child struggling at school. Some of you may say, well, that's not important. Become a parent and see your child struggling at school and tell me how important that really is. Maybe it's problems in your marriage today. Maybe it's financial pressure. Maybe you need a job and and just things aren't going good. What is it that you are praying for? What is it that you and I need to start praying for? I believe it's time that we draw a circle by faith and refuse to leave it till God saves our husband. Till God meets the needs in our marriage. Come on, until God provides that financial means as we discover His will and His place. Come on, we don't let go of God. We pray through. I wonder what it is you're marching around today. But you know the problem is most of us don't really know what we want. Most of us don't really know what we want. We remember James we talked about. We don't have because we don't ask. And when we do ask, we ask wrong. Telling you today, I'm rounding this all off. In Mark chapter 10, we see Jericho mentioned again in the Bible. This time Jesus visits Jericho. And while he visits Jericho, a blind man shouts out to him. And shouts, Jesus, have mercy on me. People around told him to be quiet, but the Bible says what? He shouted the more. He wouldn't get out of his circle. He wouldn't be denied. He knew this day was his day, and if it didn't happen, it never would. And the Bible says that Jesus stopped. And Jesus asked him to come to him. Look at this verse in Mark 10, verse 51. And Jesus answered his cry and said to him, What do you want me to do? To do for you. I mean, wasn't it obvious what he needed? I mean, wasn't it obvious to everyone around that day what was needed? He was blind. He was stumbling to Jesus. He had to be led to Jesus. Obviously, the request and the need that he had was, God, that I would receive my sight. And that's what he goes on to say. God, that I would receive my sight. But listen to this. Jesus knew that day what was needed. But he just wanted Bartimaeus to say it. God knows what you have need of. But he's waiting for you to begin to pray. 
Jesus is asking every one of us the same question today. What do you want? That is the most powerful question that has ever been asked in the course of history. Because Bartimaeus stood before a saviour, a king, the Lord of Lords, and he could have been granted that day anything and everything that he asked for. He could have asked for a palace. He could have asked for riches. He could have asked that he would be the emperor. He could have asked for anything. Because that was what God had available, Jesus had available to him. That power is still available to every one of us today. But let me tell you something. Here's the key thought. Bartimaeus had to first get to Jesus. You and I have got to get to Jesus because if we're not with Jesus, we'll never really discover true relationship. We'll never really know his heart. We'll never really know what to pray for and what to seek for in our life. We've got to get close to him. We've got to get past all the distractions and the noise. We've got to get in our closet. We've got to get in our prayer room and begin to say, God, what is it that you have for my life? What is it that you have? What are the promises? And when we begin to ask that and we begin to pray that, we know what's going to take place. Now we know that answers to that question of what we really need are going to change over time because our lives change. We have different needs and different seasons in our lives. Different dreams, different circumstances. But you know what? The source is still the same. We must constantly come to Jesus to discover what we need. The one who knows before we need. Look what it says in Matthew 6 verse 8. For your heavenly Father knows the things you have need of before you even what? Some people are afraid to ask, what if I don't like what he gives to me? What if I don't like? May I remind you of James 1 verse 17. It says every good and every perfect gift or everything that's perfect for your life comes from God. Everything to further your life and to bless your life comes from him. Don't be afraid. Look at this statement that I came up with or God gave me. To fear his answer is not to know his heart towards you. To fear his answer is not to know his heart that he has towards you. Trey, if you could come right now. God is for you. God wants you to succeed. God wants you to find that healing, that blessing. Why? Because he receives the glory from that. It's a win-win situation. You and I win. God wins. It's time to be specific with our prayers. To pray a prayer with meaningful faith. To circle those impossibilities. Listen to this statement that Yonggi Cho says. An incredible leader in Seoul, Korea. He said, some prayers are so vague that there's no way of knowing whether God has even answered them or not. Some of our prayers are so vague that God can't even get the glory for it because there's no knowing if God has even answered it before. I believe we've got to start praying. And don't make it harder than what it is. Talk to God. Get to God. Get alone with God. Get to know God, what he wants for your life and your plan. Let your plans and your dreams and your hopes fall to the side as you begin to pray. Because nothing honors God more than a big dream. A request that is way above your ability to accomplish. Why? Because there's no way you and I can take the credit for it. It's time to pray and believe that God can do what he can only do. Come on, say with me, stay in the circle. 
Would you stand to your feet with me this morning? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heartseas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.